abstract markings, such as triangles, circles, lines, rectangles, and dots, were in existence during this era and that these symbols did in fact repeat across space and time. Now I knew I was onto something. These images were not just the doodles or decorative embellishments that some researchers had dismissed them as. I wasn't any closer to understanding what the individual signs meant, but the patterns told me that they were meaningful. Not only were these early artists carefully replicating the same symbols at multiple sites, but I could also see changes in popularity as some signs fell out of favor and new ones entered circulation. It was tantalizing, but to really get at what was happening, I needed to expand beyond France to see if the same patterns were identifiable around the continent. The more time I spent studying this ancient chapter of our history, the more fascinated I became with the art and the minds that had created it. Without a doubt, the art is magnificent, but that's not why I study it. 200,000 years ago, modern humans appeared on the African landscape for the first time. They had our bodies, they had our brains. But the real question is, when did they become us? When did they start to behave in a truly modern way, tapping into all the creative potential of the human mind? This is much harder to ascertain since we can't physically gain access to their minds. Their skeletal remains tell us lots of things, like their average height, health, malnutrition, injury, and diseases like arthritis leave evidence behind on the bones and teeth, and brain size. But they don't provide us with any clues as to what they were thinking about. This is where the different art forms come in. They are undeniably non-utilitarian. There is nothing about their art that put a roof over their heads or kept them warm at night. And they couldn't physically hunt an animal with art. So what led them to start creating it? Starting around 120,000 years ago in Africa, we begin finding little glimmers of modern thinking. An engraved bone here, a burial with red ochre and a necklace there. From 100,000 years onward, Portable pieces decorated with geometric markings, lines, cross-hatching, chevrons, etc., begin to appear. With the passage of time, these abstract images, which could well be seen as the precursors to rock art, became more complex. And by 50,000 years ago, around the time that people began moving out of Africa to populate the rest of the globe, there was a sudden flourishing of rock art, figurines, necklaces, complex burials, and music. All of these artistic traditions reinforce the widely held view that spoken language was completely formed by at least 100,000 years ago. But what about written language, one of the most distinctively human behaviors of all? We use symbols in the modern world constantly. So why couldn't our 25,000-year-old or even 40,000-year-old selves have been doing that, too? Is there evidence, buried here within these symbolic practices, of the first attempts at graphic communication? Of attempts to send messages about identity or ownership, or possibly even to share more complex concepts? 
more than any other type of imagery, the geometric signs may hold the key to unlocking some of the mysteries of our ancient past. My first study raised more questions than it answered, and it led me to pursue several new lines of inquiry, including, were the signs invented in Europe, or are they the product of an even older tradition? Does the same small group of signs appear at sites throughout Europe? And what does this say about the movement of people and ideas during the Ice Age? And finally, were the signs in fact a form of graphic communication? And if so, how can we prove this when we don't know what language or languages they spoke? This book answers those questions. So as not to leave you completely in suspense, the short answer to that question is that, barring a few outliers, there were only 32 signs in use across the entire 30,000...